0: It's Friday, December eighteenth, twenty twenty. That means, guys, that next week it's Christmas. It's practically here. Welcome to this week's edition of the Fritzcast. How y'all doing, man? Um you know, we've had a we've had an exciting past couple of weeks here on the Fritzcast, in case you've missed them. We've we I've interviewed uh um Cliff Maloney from Uh, Young Americans for Liberty which was a great interview uh, about their successful strategy that they employed over the past election cycle and their plans for the future Uh, and then I also got to interview Angela McArdle who's seeking the libertarian chair nomination in 2022 coming up uh, not this coming year but the following year uh, great discussion with her about um you know what she wants to do with uh you know the the libertarian party what how she wants to focus the direction and all that and I think that these are great interviews to listen to because these are the these are the future of of the libertarian and liberty movements um coming into play i mean there there's a lot of soul searching that people have to do with the uh with the outset of the election That just happened With President-elect Joe Biden whether, whether you like it or not, folks President-elect Joe Biden The the Electoral College has voted uh, Everybody that's sitting here going Oh, there's still a chance This is how we're going to do it Baga's going to stop the steal Stop Just stop It's over There is no more But And it's it baffles me Baffles me because every time the goalposts have just moved for for the MAGA crowd, they have single handedly moved. Well, they've decimated goalposts. Goalposts po- goal don't exist anymore. Neither do neither do rules. Neither do anything else. And uh, I gotta say, I mean, there's a lot I could talk about politically speaking. And you heard me say it last week that this episode pretty much wasn't going to be a political one. It's going to be a Christmas one, and it's going to be a Christmas one. So, for, for those of you hanging in there thinking like, wait, I thought he said he was going to do Christmas stuff. Yeah, I am. Uh, the primary focus of this episode is going to be more Christmassy and cheerful and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but uh, it's like I got to talk a le- at least a little bit about the politics stuff uh, because there's so much that, that could be talked about. Vaccines are getting rolled out left and right for COVID-19 um, Pfizer, uh, Moderna, I think just got their FDA emergency approval today A lot of that's going on And I'm I'm by no means an anti-vaxxer um, I've gotten plenty of vaccines in my lifetime My daughter's getting all of her scheduled vaccines uh, You know, as is a, a typical for a child Um uh, you know, in their very, very early years, uh, it's, in no means am I an anti-vaxxer, uh, but, uh, I've made it clear to my friends, my family, and, and people have asked me, I'm not getting, um, a COVID vaccine, uh, because, A, this is what gets me, uh, Biden, Harris, uh, most of the Democratic Party had stated before the election results came in that, uh, They would be very wary of a Donald Trump vaccine, uh, especially one that was, you know, pumped out so quickly in record speed time. And then after the election, after Joe Biden wins and, you know, it's Joe Biden, President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and all that. Now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, hey, the vaccine's getting pumped out. Get it pumped out in mass. Get it out everywhere uh, because this is a great thing. But it's like we're not going to attribute it to Donald Trump. It's happened under the Trump administration, whether you like it or not, whether you like Trump or not, it has happened under the Trump administration. Uh, I read a story just the other just yesterday uh, where Joe Biden said, you know, uh, he was cautioning that Donald Trump might have hyped up vaccine production and availability to so that if it is undersold uh, or if there is not enough, if there's a shortage, it would be blamed on Biden because Biden will have taken over at that point. Um and and so you can see how the chess pieces get moved around depending on who's in power uh with these things and it's sad. It's extremely sad. But I've been I I I've said I've wasn't going to get the COVID vaccine. And I'm not. I'm not going to get the COVID vaccine because a it has been rushed in record time. I understand that uh there's certain aspects with the development of this vaccine in particular where uh a lot of what the a lot of the science behind um studying the virus and its patterns and all that has been shortened because coronaviruses, of course, uh are strains of common colds. This the COVID nineteen just happens to be a very aggressive and different form. Not not fighting that front. Um but I'm wary of taking something so rapidly developed, so hyped and pushed out, and and especially just just for—this is food for thought. I've been working through this whole thing, Um, and if I've gotten COVID, mind you, I wear the PPE, I wear the masks and all that jazz and uh, disinfect my work surfaces every day, Um, the whole nine yards on that. If I've gotten COVID, I haven't known it. Meaning I would have been somebody who's asymptomatic because I haven't really felt like poop at all. I haven't really had anything like that happen. And I'm the type of person that if something doesn't make me feel like poop, I don't take anything for it. I like why would I take a why would I take a test to see if I have COVID? Even if I'm asymptomatic, just so I know that I have COVID, I understand the broader aspects of that argument. But in my mind, it's you know Fritz isn't sick. Fritz isn't getting a test. Fritz isn't sick. Fritz isn't going to the doctor. You know that kind of thing. And that's just been in my head. I'm not getting. I won't get a COVID test if uh, if I don't feel sick. I don't feel sick. I'm gonna keep working because you know if the PPE works, if the masks work, social distancing work, and and all of that works, then there's kind of it's kind of a moot point for me to get a test, isn't, isn't it? But the vaccine, the, the vaccine, I I don't. It's not an anti it's not an anti vaxxers position, you know. I'm not saying, Oh, I'm gonna take this vaccine and then boom, like I'm afraid my arm's gonna fall off or, you know, I'll become celibate or or sterile. That's the word, not celibate, but sterile in, in, in five years or ten years or whatever. But just all the companies that make it have, have um immunity clauses and even if you can sue because of some damages or whatever chances are you're probably not going to get anything out of it if there are damages. Hopefully there's not. But, you know, I'm not against people getting a vaccine if they want to get a vaccine for it. Um, I I know people don't want to compare it to the flu, but uh, here's a guy that doesn't get his flu vaccine. And one of the reasons I don't get the flu vaccine, I I believe it was 2018, 2019, uh, its effectiveness was 38%, you know. And I'm like, at, at that point, it's not even 50 50 getting the shot so to me there's some business aspects to to this you know healthcare care stuff and pfizer and moderna they're just big pharma companies that any other day of the year people would or any other year well, i won't say any other day of the year because 2020 is not the year for that but any other year these are companies that are highly criticized by people who hate big pharma, but now they're suddenly being praised by those same people for pumping out a vaccine at such a record rate uh, for people to get as and, and people are acting as if there's not money tied into this. There's money tied into this. There's there is. So at at the end of the day, I won't get I won't get the vaccine, especially because I've read articles from such publications as the New York Times, which stated bluntly about two three weeks ago, right before the that vaccine first batch of vaccines started shipping out, that uh, oh hey, when you get that vaccine, you can't not wear a mask because what we're do what we're hoping is that this vaccine prevents you from getting COVID. We don't know if it will prevent you from spreading COVID though. Whatever. Whatever. Just whatever. Not taking it. All right, if you want to take it, go ahead. All right, that's the part of the... That's probably the most libertarian position to give you, is that your body, you're right, um, you either can get pumped up with a vaccine or you can't. Your choice. Uh, and I don't believe that that choice should prevent you from anything. Returning society, returning to normalcy, or what have you. Another thing I could talk about but I've been going on for about 10 minutes and I'm not going to like I said I'm not going to focus on all this politics stuff is that just just um just yesterday or the other day Joe Biden came out and said something along the lines of uh I know it's not going to be popular for me to say this but uh schools should open up within the next 100 days um and it just it baffled me because up until now people have been saying schools shouldn't be open Uh, Some people were pointing at uh, schools opening as a rise in COVID cases and all that. And then, oh wait, the team switched. Donald Trump's not in the hot... Well, isn't going to be in the hot seat that much longer. And the guy that's about to take over is saying, oh yeah, schools should be open. Why is it mystically changing now? You know, find that a little skeptical. But... There there there's a host of other things that we could talk about. Uh it's just that I'm so burnt out on politics. I really like I I really I'm tired of going on Twitter, on Facebook, uh trying to unravel some of the Trump legal cases with the uh, with with the election results. Uh ...leading up to the Electoral College, which voted already and sustained and upheld... ...whatever whatever form of the word you want to use... Uh, that ...to make President-elect Joe Biden the President-elect. And then you still have GOP Senators going, yeah, the uh, legal avenues are really, really uh, shrinking now. Just not wanting to have the balls to break away from the MAGA cult and say, it's over. Because you can't say that in the Republican Party now. Um which is going to provide for very very interesting dialogue on this show going forward in the future. But that being said, I told you that I wanted to do a Christmassy episode and th- and there's a reason to that. Um cuz part of the part of what's playing into me just being burnout and sick and tired of the politics is the fact that it's the Christmas season. I I get very immersed in the Christmas season. It, it, it you might find it stupid. You might find it silly. Some people hate Christmas. Some people really do. They just they don't like anything about it. They don't like the Christmas carols. They don't like the songs. They don't like anything. Um, which is, you know, I mean, that's anybody's prerogative. Um, you can you can like Christmas. You can hate Christmas. You can do whatever. Uh, you can do whatever you want. Honestly. Uh, but I, for me, Christmas every year is just, you know, I, I don't want to say the cliched stuff. I don't want to say, I don't want to say magic, mystic, wonder, you know. Um, I, I don't want to say it in that manner. But I do want to say just that um, th- th- there's just this underlying. I don't know. There is a spirit in the air that that kind of overwhelms and overtakes me. Uh I think anyway. And um it just puts me in a different kind of mood. It really does um it really does change my whole my whole spirit, my whole outlook. And when when I say that I get immersed in this stuff, I mean i i just i love it I love so much about christmas whether it's whether it's family gatherings or baked goods or or cheesy christmas movies from my childhood uh I love it all I really do love it it all and it's hard for me to 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 figure out where to start with all of that. Um I think first and foremost I think first and foremost it is just um the, the it's funny. It's really funny because it's not so much a religious aspect thing either. If you if you know me as a person right now, I'm very much somewhere lost in the sauce. Uh, you know, I've coined myself an agnostic. Uh, I I grew I was baptized Catholic. I grew up and was baptized again as a Mormon LDS person. I walked away from the LDS church, um, in in, in something that's a very very long story for me to try to explain, and probably sometime in the next year I'll I'll do an episode kind of focused on religion, spirituality and then philosophy. Uh but now I'm an agnostic. I've said I'm leaning towards orthodoxy. Uh at the same token I'm diving in and reading a bunch of Gnostic gospels and theology and it's really piquing my interest in in different ways. Um so it, it's hard for me to peg myself on that. Uh but the the joy of Christmas thing that I have it it's not so much a religious oriented thing. Uh because I like it for all the goofy little stuff. I like it for the Christmas lights, the decorations, the tree. Uh you know, it, funny thing about the tree. Uh I'm looking at the sign that's hanging up. I can't I can't show it to you, but because it's hanging up on the wall but uh, it says farm fresh christmas trees uh it's a sign that i it's a sign that i got for christmas uh because it's an inside joke between me my wife and uh some of uh some of our good friends uh namely Jason my bu- my buddy Jason uh because i years ago i came up with this cockamamie scheme this is what it, this is called boredom at work and downtime and um, and just my goofiness. Uh, it started off as a joke, where I told my buddy Jason my uh, my lifelong dream and ambition is to become the world's greatest Christmas tree farmer. And he thought it was ludicrous when I said it, and when I said it, I was joking. But because I uh, like to. Go through and, and be thorough with a joke. I uh, I told him, you know, no, yeah, no, this is a really lucrative business that if you do it the right way, you can make a lot of money off of it. And he's like, you can't make a lot of money off of growing Christmas trees; impossible. And I said, and I started it with basic economics. I was like, all right, well, how much do you think it costs for me if I just went out into if I had a field, all right, uh, if I had a farm, if I had a certain amount of acreage or whatever. How much do you think it costs for me to plant tree seeds? Only thing it costs is time and hard labor from me. Let's forget the fact that I have to obtain the land somehow, okay? That's not worked out in the scheme. But uh, it started with that, and I said, think about this. I said, and it was funny because he has a tradition of going to Christmas tree farms and cutting down his own trees, which is Something that I... Uh, I'll get into that in a minute. He always goes to a Christmas tree farm and cuts his own trees. And I'm like, how much does it cost you... How much does it usually cost to get one of those trees? And he goes, oh, it's like $45, 50 I said, it's $45 to $50 for you to go to this Christmas tree farm, walk through the patch, find a tree, cut it down yourself, drag it yourself drag it to your car yourself it costs about $50 a tree he goes yeah and I go all right think about it if I get 150 200 people to show up at my Christmas tree farm and and it's 50 bucks a tree you know and I actually was more generous I broke it down into different price groups and stuff I said uh you know imagine if I get and we'll pull out the handy dandy calculator to make sure that we don't screw up here. If I find my calculator app, that is my calculator app's always hiding on my phone. I said at $50 a tree, if you get 150 guests, you've made $7500. Right there. In a season. $7500. 50 bucks a tree, 150 people. Say you get, you know, 250 people. You're at 125. Say you get 350 people. Ooh, you're at $17,000. And I said it, but mind you, I lined this up and I said that's not all you do though. You don't just have Christmas trees and have people come and cut it down themselves and all that crap. No, no, no. You have a gift shop set up, right? Christmas decor homemade Christmas decorations, right? Sell hot cocoa, right? Right? Make craft beers, like little Christmassy craft beers, you know, make some of them up, sell sell them. And I like rolled out this plan about how you can make like a million dollars every year with a Christmas tree farm with with just goofy little shit on the side. And uh he was convinced and now we have, you know, now I get, you know, stupid little Christmas tree farm uh, signs from my buddies as inside jokes. Because people like joking around with my dreams. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And the thing with the Christmas tree farms is, like I said, he goes every year. Now, me and my wife had a tradition going every Black Friday back, I guess, the past three, four years. So it was like a little mini tradition. Where we would go to a new Christmas tree farm... Around the area, walk around the, the the patch, find nothing that we wanted, and promptly leave. Come back home, go to Richardson's Florero, which is like two blocks—well, not two blocks down the road. It's like two miles down the road—and buy our Christmas tree from there. That's that. That's what would happen every Black Friday. And we went this Black Friday to Stone Farm, Old Stone Farm in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, and I anticipated the same thing to happen. I was, I was like, we're gonna go to Old Stone Farm. We're not gonna find anything. Come home, go to Richardson's, get our tree. That's not what happened. We start walking through the patch, and immediately, like the first tree my wife lays eyes on, is she's like, that's the one. And I look at it, and I'm like, that's a pretty damn good, full, thick tree. But we keep walking through the patch, and we have Emmy with us, my daughter, 14 months old at the time, um, which was just last month. But you get what I'm saying. She found a tree. We let her pick out, you know, a little baby tree, and we cut that. You know, even though it should should have grown into a full adult tree, whatever. Didn't care about that. Uh, she found a tree that she liked. And we cut it for her, and then we went back to that first tree and cut that tree down. And I was just, I was shocked. I was like, the tradition has been broken. We have our we have our Christmas tree from a Christmas tree farm, and I absolutely loved it. I loved the fact that we found a tree uh, from the farm. We cut it down ourselves. You know, I loved everything about it, and I hope to do it again next year and many years to come until I have my Christmas tree farm, at which point it'll just be I get first pick of the crop. That's how that's going to work. <laughs> but... uh that's not, that's not all I like about, about the Christmas season. Like I said, the lights, the decorations. My, my I love decorating my, my house. I don't know why. Because I really am tired of my house now. I want a bigger house. <laughs> this is a starter house. It's feeling smaller by the day with a growing kid. Um, and we're planning for more kids on the way. And it just doesn't seem like this house is going to cut it much longer. But... I love going out and decorating. i got my icicle lights up. Um, I Actually, it's funny, too, because I like colorful like display lights and all that stuff. Outside is completely, it's all just classic white lights. That's it. I have white icicle lights dangling from the roof and the gutters. I've got uh, a couple of those little Christmas deer that light up that are, again, pure white. Uh, a couple of spiral Christmas trees. I have one inflatable. It's a Snoopy with a little Christmas package. Um, I used to have an inflatable Yoda Yes, an inflatable Yoda uh, But he's broke He's got mold I'm not sure that he's going to be salvageable So, I don't know But uh, I have the inflatable Snoopy I'm not going to buy inflatables anymore Because uh, they they just don't, they don't last long It seems like the inflatables uh, start getting dirty and dingy And it's hard to clean them It's hard to find replacement parts for them and uh, overall, they suck. They really do. Overall, they suck. So I'm moving more towards uh, actual physical, like put together things, like little spiral trees that that we have, little wire frame deers that we have. Um, just bought from Aldi this year. Uh, birch trees. It was like a three pack of birch trees that light up. Really really awesome little things to put out in the yard and um again all white lights everything's all white lights and it, it i actually like it i really like the it's just like a classic look to it really cool uh but you know stringing up the lights on the christmas tree and decorating the christmas tree my wife has a bunch of poo ornament Winnie the Pooh ornaments so i call it our poo tree Uh, But I have Star Wars ornaments. We have goofy little things. We have a nice little snowflake that we put on top of the tree. Emmy had little decorations for her tree. And that's just stuff that I love uh, about this season. Um, Something about the lights. I really just love seeing the lights. Really do. I love seeing people do up their houses in different lights. Here in Delaware, we have a famous guy who renamed his street to Santa Claus Lane. And is like famous for his light displays That he does up And uh, every year people go drive up to his house And he has Santa Claus there and everything He 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 goes all out um, Do I hope to be him one day? I have no idea <laughs> I have no idea But I, I do love going and visiting it Just to see what he does Every, you know, year in and year out He does like themes now Where he picks different things But I love, um I love going out on my street, just through my neighborhood, to see how people decorate in different ways and all that. And uh, especially ones that don't do it lazy. I hate those little, like, the people who have the little projector things that just project the little red and green dots. Like, And they're like, ooh, I decorated for Christmas. You didn't decorate for Christmas. You didn't decorate for Christmas. Shut up. Get a ladder. Get some lights. Really frickin' decorate. There's somebody that has one of those inflatable... Santa's with reindeer on the top of their roof and it spans the whole section of their freaking their whole roof. (laughs) I'm like damn. And then down the block, at the entrance of the neighborhood, there's a house that uh has like fourteen inflatables and a bunch of other ones too. I mean like their entire lawn is covered in Christmas ornaments because they it's like they battle it out with the neighbor across the street and who can be more ridiculous. And the amount of stuff that they put up—it's crazy. Uh, because the one side, the, the side on the left has inflatables, just inflatables out the ear. They have regular, they have other physical lawn, you know, decorations as well. But they're all about the inflatables. And then across the street, they have a couple of inflatables, but they have like this big giant Santa sitting on a throne. And they got uh, nativity sets and other lights and stuff, but they battle it. It, it seems like they're battling it out. I, I don't know. <clears throat> I really don't know. But something brings me something brings me joy <clears throat> in that seeing people decorate with that, seeing how people decorate their houses, and what kind of traditions that they formulate and get into. I just love it. I, I love it. I eat it up. I really do. And then, um. The, the, you know one of the other things I've been getting into is the music love I love the music and, and this is actually what I'm about to show you is a prized possession that I found back when my wife's grandparents lived in uh, Oklahoma I would frequent every time that we went every year that we went I would I would say that we have to go to uh, different, Antique shops, different antique shops, and because I love going through antique shops, I don't know why. I think it's just the old stuff that's there. I find it so. I find all the old stuff interesting and different. Um, you know, I haven't really bought anything too too outside of the box, but like I've looked at typewriters before, just because I'm a you know I'm a nerdy writer type, and it would be cool to have a really old typewriter, but like, just looking at some of the old stuff, some of the old artifact stuff, but oftentimes they have records there, and if you know me, I'm a pretty big vinyl collector, I, I'm, I'm not touting that I have, like, some big collection, I have maybe a hundred or so vinyl records, if I really care about something, I have it on vinyl, and yes, I do listen to my vinyls as well, I have a, I have... A record player uh, that can digitize them I've never really I'm, I've never done that kind of thing though I don't care to to do that but at one of those shops in Oklahoma I found this twas the night before this is a TV special which I believe yeah this was a Rankin Bass it says Rankin Bass presents right on the top uh, it was a Rankin Bass cartoon TV special night before Christmas uh, that has uh, Tammy Grimes as the as Albert Mouse, John McGiver as the mayor, George Jobel as Father Mouse, and um, the story told by Joel Gray. Uh, you know the story of Albert writing a letter to Santa Claus about how he isn't real, and Joshua Trundle the clockmaker, wanting to make the clock to play a song to bring Santa back in and then weaving that story into the classic Twas the Night Before Christmas story. Um, but this is this album is actually, it's like the entire TV special. I know it says uh, in this big circular thing, it says from the Christmas TV special. It literally is, if I put this in, it's the entire special on record including the songs and it's just awesome bought it for like bought it for like two dollars two dollars this is a rarity by the way from Disneyland records I don't think they've produced a, a new edition of this at all and, and this is this is an original as you can see as you can see because uh there is no there's no barcode on this a lot of the original records have no barcodes on them if you if you get new pressed vinyl of uh some of the modern day releases or re-releases they usually have like they they have a barcode on these things. If they're original, you won't see a barcode on these on these. And so for 2 $2. And this is not like this isn't one that I put on the record player and it sounds like crap. It it sounds really good. It sounds really really good. Uh all things considered. And so I, I put that on at least... I put that on at least once every Christmas on the record player. I mean, I watch it on TV. I watch the special on, on television. But I put that on the record player just because there's some kind of, like, nostalgic feel of me putting it on a record player and sitting down and listening to it. That's just... That's just different and cool, you know? I don't know if you could find... I don't know if you could find a copy of that online or not. You could probably look it up and, and obtain a copy... Uh, But I'm going to say, I'm going to go off on a limb and say it's increasingly rare to find it on vinyl record. But that's one bit of music that the Rankin Bass classics, love the Rankin Bass classics. I was raised on the Claymation and the, the, the stop. Animation, Christmas classics, which which almost all of them are Rankin-Bass. <clears throat> Year Without a Santa Claus with the Miser Brothers, right? Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Have to see it. Have to watch it at least two to three times every Christmas season. Um, Frosty the Snowman, I don't need. That's another cartoon one. I don't know if that's Rankin-Bass or not, though. But, uh, again, classic with Jimmy Durante, uh as the narrator and singer. A Year Without a Santa Claus I already said A Year Without a Santa Claus Santa Claus is coming to town With Burgermeister Meister Meister Burner Which if you watched the podcast last year We had Bernie Meister Meister Burner Singing a song He also sang a song from A Year Without a Santa Claus Uh, Even some of the lesser known ones um, Or lesser appreciated ones like Little Drummer Boy um, but Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey, a lot of people don't know that one. Roger Miller narrates and sings in that one, uh, and then I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a classic. I can't get it. My wife like loves Rudolph and Frosty's Shiny New Year, and uh, Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. I'm not so much into to those. Those ones seem like terrible stretches to me. <laughs> They they really do, uh, but then you know of course I watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2 like forty times. I annoy myself with how often I watch those two, for real. Uh, I re- <laughs> I really do. Uh, I, I watch them way too much, and it's because you know what? It, it's because it's because that was that's just childhood nostalgia right there. I don't care that it's a ridiculous movie. I don't care that, really, that that Home Alone 2 is exactly the same as Home Alone 1. Um, Don't care. Love it. Have to watch it. But but one thing I did this year was uh, A Christmas Carol. I've never really been into A Christmas Carol. Uh, So I asked on my Twitter... I was like, there's 99,000, well, there's 900 different versions of A Christmas Carol. What's the ones that I, what What are the ones that I'm supposed to watch? Like, that I should watch, barring, you know, some of the givens. Like, everybody says Muppet Christmas Carol, and I'm like, that's that's a goofy little family adaptation that, you know, it's, I'm not saying that it, it's bad, I'm just saying it's a family-oriented goofy little adaptation that I think everybody sees and everybody likes to a, to a degree. I was I was out and out though. I was like a Christmas carol. What's the one that I'm supposed to watch? And two came up from Friends, Family and Strangers. Um Alistair Sim in 1951 and George C. Scott in 1984. And so I watched both of those. And I even did a Twitter thread. Um, I'm not going to try to read this thing verbatim, uh, but I- I'll say the 1951 Alastair Sim. I thought Alastair Sim's portrayal of Scrooge was perfect. That's perfect. I think you had the makings of a of a man who was this hardened. Uh, disgruntled, just bastard, how he would act. And I think Alistair Sim portrayed this perfectly from starting off as that evil bastard to morphing into that character of regret to finally becoming that man who had renewed himself and become overjoyed uh, with the Christmas spirit and family and realizing that he had done wrong for so long. Uh, I think Alistair Sim was that. Started off great as the ruthless businessman. Um, his curmudgeonly opening and his facial expressions. His facial expressions and acting throughout the scenes. like Like... Being spooked by ghosts. uh, Coming, you know, having fond memories. uh, And then being spooked by ghosts again. Perfect. Thought it was a perfect portrayal. And then I watched George C. Scott's version. And in George C. Scott's version, I think you have a more stone, more sour, uh, more mumbly, grumbly Scrooge one who like when the ghost of marley visits him he's not even really phased by it he's just kind of like he's kind of playing it off like you can't possibly be real he does come around to it but he keeps that stone portrayal and is a little more <clears throat> little more flat uh i would say grumbly stone faced and flat But, in earnest, I like Alistair Sim as Scrooge. I think he's the perfect Scrooge. After watching George C. Scott's 1984 Scrooge, however, I believe that one was a more cohesive, unified, everybody's relying on each other to make this a great film, whereas Alistair Sims was more so revolving around Alistair Sim to make it a great film. But uh I just I loved it for for what it was worth. I love I love the black and white films. I really do. Sorry my contacts are screwing up right now. But I really do love like the black and white films. Like it's a wonderful life. Uh I I, I have this argument every year with people. There's people who just I, I don't know. They they don't like Black and white films, I guess, and so they watch like this techn the, the the technology today. They've been able to go back, you know, and put color on black and white films. And so there's a there's a Technicolor, you know, A Wonderful Life updated. If you buy the 4K, you'll get the black and white. There'll be a disc with the black and white 4K edition, and then there's the uh, there's the colored version of it. I think it was two years ago <clears throat> I found the colored version It was on Amazon Prime And I think Amazon Prime had So if you're Amazon Prime You can go on and watch It's a Wonderful Life right now If you want um, Either in black and white or in color So out of sheer morbid curiosity I was like Well I wonder what it's like in color And I turn it on And maybe I'm just spoiled from Liking the film so much In black and white But about, I went about 15 minutes and I just said, nope, I can't do this. Can't do this. And there's a couple of reasons. I think if it's in, I think if a film was made in black and white, there's some things to consider. Like, when they were making it, they knew it wasn't going to be in color. So they had to make artistic choices in a black and white film. Like, what kind of costumes were going to stick out on a black and white film? What kind of lighting was going to stick out on a black and white film? And I think coloring over it ruins all of that. Ruins all of that dynamic and cinematography and, and uh, you know, thought that went into that. I really do. I think I think if if you watch It's a Wonderful Life in Color, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I think it ruins the whole thing. Uh, I know the Alistair Sim. I just watched... This was my first year watching George C. Scott and Alistair Sims. I can't even try to envision watching Alistair Sims in color. I don't want I don't want it. Don't want it. Don't eat it. Don't care. Don't give it to me. Um Just really don't. <laughs> I think uh I may, maybe I'm just a purist snob, I don't know. But uh I think it just ruins it. I think it just takes away from the overall film. And and there's a ton more that I that I love too at Christmas time. Christmas film wise, not Elf. I don't like Elf. I watched, I've watched Elf maybe a, a maybe three times in my life, and I've at the end of each one I'm like I don't care for this. I'd rather watch Jingle All the Way than watch Elf. That's that's how bad it is. <laughs> and I watch Jingle All the Way every year too. So. So there's that. Um, But where else do I want to go with this? Where else? Where else do I want to go with this? Uh, There's books. Save the books for last. I did talk about music. So I have my records, obviously. I'm straight up a Sinatra Rat Pack Christmas junkie. Absolutely love Frank Sinatra singing Christmas. I have literally everything Frank Sinatra's ever done for Christmas. I think he's the godfather of Christmas music. I know that that is an acquired taste for a lot of people. Some people just will never like it. I just find a gangster singing about Christmas, A, I find it funny but B, I think there's just this Touch that nothing else can me- that nobody else can measure up to. When I listen to Sinatra sing a Christmas Carol, just wholly does not match up. So if it's Sinatra, if it's the Rat Pack, Elvis Presley, I, I teeter on. I really some of his stuff I like, some of his stuff I don't. Then it goes into a very, very interesting combination. Chicago makes great Christmas music. One of my favorite albums that I discovered probably seven years ago was um, Chicago's Christmas album. I forget what it's called. But it's, uh, it's a white album with a Christmas wreath on the front. And it was their version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen that hooked me. Just, it it has something to do with how different and outside the box their approach to it was. They weren't just doing covers of Christmas songs that you've heard time and time and time again. It was a Chicago spin on these Christmas staples. Like God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, the way that they made it a funky tune was just wow. It was different. Uh, that gets followed up with like Piano Guys. The Piano Guys love their Christmas music too. Piano Guys, David Tolk, very good instrumental Christmas songs and approaches. Uh, an album that I fell in love with this year was the City of Prague, Philharmonic Orchestra with the Crouch End Festival Choir. Oh my God, beautiful combination of orchestra and choir music together. As a guy that grew up on, as a guy who grew up listening to a lot of Mormon Tabernacle Choir and thinking that that was the pinnacle, um, no, I really <laughs> like this this album, City of Prague, Crouch End Festival Choir. I love it so much better. Uh, It's like T.O.P.'s Christmas classical choir, like, what you expect a Christmas hymn to sound like. Boom, tre-boom. And then I like a, a, a smattering of different hard rock and heavy metal covers of Christmas music, but... This I gotta share this. I've shared this all over my Twitter, my Facebook, my everything. This album right here, Majestica, wrote the story of a Christmas carol to your traditional Christmas songs. Like your traditional Christmas tunes are are interwoven into these songs that they've written. And this, this album plays as the story of a Christmas Carol from start to finish. It's a concept album and oh my god it is amazing for a power metal nerd loving guitar loving loud music loving guy like me um the track listing here uh a christmas carol is just like their opening interlude to it uh, a christmas story has echoes of um, what's the song I'm thinking of Um, Oh Come All Ye Faithful has echoes of Oh Come All Ye Faithful in an original song that they wrote The Ghost of Marley is literally the chorus of that song is Deck the Halls but it's interwoven with also original music. The Ghost of Christmas Past is literally a rewriting of um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, the Joy of Christmas, is, I believe, is an original um, ballad type of song that they've done. The, this, this album's amazing. This, this album is truly, let's come up with something original. Let's not just do a bunch of covers of the same old Christmas music that there's literally hundreds of thousands of copies of the same song. Let's make an album about a Christmas carol. Let's take these themes, these these instrumental pieces, these, these, these pieces of music, and reinvent them. My God, I, I've been sinking my teeth on this album, and I've listened to it nonstop. I cannot recommend it highly enough for you nerds out there that like heavy metal, power metal music. Um really do. Really do. Really love it. Um And then what I want to wrap up on here is the Christmas reading. Now, I've been reading a lot to Emmy. Been reading a lot of like Little Blue Little Blue Truck's Christmas, um Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman the Stole Christmas from Dr. Seuss, you know, your classics. But then um, no. just, you know, at, or goofier stuff too, like this right here. Santa is coming to Delaware. Had to get this book because I live in Delaware. Delaware is a state, by the way, for those of you out there who are like Delaware doesn't exist. It does. I live here. I might not like living here but i live here uh... but santa claus is coming to delaware oh my goodness The this book by the way is rewritten for like every state so there, there's a lot of like personalized local stuff in there and if you find this you'll find this like you can find this in your local bookstores i'm sure Um, just a great little like personalized a book uh... one of my all-time favorites I didn't mention this in the Christmas movies. But a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I got I got the classics and Charlie Brown Peanuts. I love love anything Charlie Brown. Uh Charles Schultz was a, growing up Charlie Brown was the shit for me. Straight up. And I have um I don't have it out and available, but I started collecting the these volume books that are like the history of Charles Schultz making the comic strip Peanuts, and uh, it literally—people don't realize this thing goes back to, you know, like the 1950s when he was making materials for that, and then evolved from there all the way up till to to modern day, where now they're still making the Peanuts movie, and Snoopy has a show on Apple TV and all that stuff. It's it's crazy. It's great, but. Uh one of the best Christmas stories that I've read other than you know like a Christmas carol some of your classic stuff. This was really outside the box one. Um Glenn Beck, The Immortal Nicholas. Pretty easy to di- pretty easy to read, easy to digest book. Um that uh, reinvents the origins of Saint Nicholas of Santa Claus. Um, this isn't like a typical, this isn't your typical reading of, you know, here's a jolly elf that wears a red suit and lives in the North Pole. Glenn Beck took this to tie St. Nicholas directly to, uh, Jesus Christ and make this, uh, spirit of Christmas really truly back to the original meanings of Christmas, um, this book was actually very well written um and i highly highly recommend it i this isn't this isn't your this isn't your mom's santa claus it's not it's a santa claus that deals with loss anger regret he's a he's not a violent character but he has to he has to be a fighter um, there's a character in here Called Krampus Who's just an ugly, curmudgeonly dude That nobody loves That St. Nicholas takes On as as a son figure Um I don't want to spoil it I, I, I don't want to spoil the, the story But it's just an amazingly different Version Of Santa Claus or Of St. Nicholas One that you're not going to get Out of the mainstream Um so i highly recommend it but these are just some of my favorite things with with christmas and some of the things that i wanted to focus on and talk about so i i hope that maybe i gave you something that that you want to dive into or just got you just got your the wheels in your head turning and about wanting to get in the christmas spirit and maybe remove yourself from some of the outside madness going on in any case but uh but guys that's that's going to do it for me that's going to do it for me I just wanted to talk a little bit about Christmas and some of the stuff that I love about it Um, I didn't even get to talk about the baked goods and stuff my wife's been baking uh, to her heart's content and I love all these Christmas goodies and stuff I really do like it and uh, I hope that for those of you who do like it I hope that you've been finding something this year with, with how incredibly awful the year has been uh, as it's coming to a close I hope that you've been able to find something Something Some spirit of Christmas has been able to, to Drum up inside you and, and, and give you Something You know Something Of uh, Of joy and, and You know maybe splendor or something um, Or peace Whatever it may be Like I really I really hope that that comes out for you and if it's not your thing you know sorry I wasted an hour of your time (laughs) no for real though Uh, but guys that's going to do it for me Uh, next week of course is Christmas so I can tell you right now don't expect anything from me don't expect uh, an episode popping out at the end of the week if I do anything it'll be it'll be shortly before uh, but I'm I'm really trying to decompress get my footing back for uh, for 2021 and for the uphill battle for liberty and libertarians and, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a rough uphill battle for real uh, but I'm really starting to lay out the groundwork and figure out where where FritzCast is going to go in 2021 uh, trying to line up a slate of guests that uh, can build upon what we've already done here we've done some pretty great work and there's work yet to come and uh, I th- I think I'm up to the challenge for it uh, especially because I'm going to be on shows like Todd Hagopian's Chief Chats with Todd Hagopian and Kevin Hobby I'm scheduled uh, or I will be scheduled to do an episode with them and uh, that's going to be great it's going to be great to see where else we can evolve, what kind of guests we can bring on the show and uh how we can put our best foot forward for the Liberty movement. For real. So guys, you can reach out to me on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook dot com slash the Fritzcast. Fritzcast Podcast at Gmail dot com. I just got the stereo app too. I'm I'm looking at playing with some things with that. Open up some dialogues and, and try out some different things. Uh so Keep your eyes peeled for announcements on that. Other than that, literally, uh, no matter what holiday you celebrate, if you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, the, solstice, the solstice, I'm not drunk, the solstice, uh, or if you don't celebrate the holidays at all, if you are a curmudgeonly old Scrooge, you know, hopefully something with the end of this year can give you a different perspective or fill your heart for real remember i love you guys and i'll see you guys probably not next week but by the new year fritz Cass will be back love you